0: It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day. It takes is possible and to humility. be thankful takes vision moment, and every day. day. It, it takes, takes practice and humility. It takes vision and civility.
1: Hi, and welcome to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features real people talking about real events from their childhood and how those events impacted their lives. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and I love listening to stories from people's childhoods, which also help me understand who those people are. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's children's book, I've Got Peace in My Fingers, available worldwide wherever quality books are sold. Tell Me What Happened is also sponsored by Laughsaver.com. Visit Laughsaver.com and record your laughter. LaughSaver.com will keep it for you, now and forever. Your family will appreciate it. It's free, and it's easy to use. That's LaughSaver.com. All right, it's time for our interview. I have as my guest today a very good friend of mine, a concert cellist, a woman who has been playing music for more than 50 years, teaching it, and having played Everything from chamber music to early music to Broadway. My good friend who lives in Nantucket, the island my wife calls paradise, Molly Glazier. How you doing, Molly? I'm doing well. Thank you. Are you ready to tell your story? I am. All right. Well, Molly, the way I try to do this is I try to stay out of the way. One of the things that I've learned is, is the less I speak, the better things are. So I'm gonna let, just let you tell your story. At the end, I'm gonna ask you one question, which is how is what happened to you as a child in this particular instance? How is that something that you've carried and impacted your, your adult life? Okay?
2: Okay, thank you. Thank you for asking me. I wanted to tell this story because it is really my hope that it could help other people too. When you learn a musical instrument, It takes a village (laughs) to teach somebody. It's a lifelong journey on, on many, many levels. And I was part of this music program in a school district in Springfield, Pennsylvania. And I am just astounded how much funding went into that program and produced just dozens and dozens of professional musicians. And I was there at the at a golden time. And this is particularly relevant right now because the orchestra teacher and band teacher from our high school just died two days ago. So it, it's all been on my mind a lot in the past few days. And I've really enjoyed reading testimonials on Facebook from other people that were year older than me, two years older than me, you know, year younger than me, and in my class, that we all had that band room as a sanctuary. It was a place where we belonged. I remember sitting around the table in that band room, and I just, I, it, it, it formed for me, like, how much I loved being with musicians, and even though I, I was not the player I am now, I was not then, and that's actually the story I'm about to tell was why. I was not. (laughs) I mean, you know, a lot of things go into making a, a musician, but the foremost thing is really nurturing teacher when you're young. And I started, I'll just give a little backstory here, is that in the elementary school, I referenced the high school time, which was so rich. And I actually, this man who just died, I don't know how he had the time and the focus to do everything he did. He just gave so much in that program but the elementary school part of that program introduced instruments in the 3rd grade everybody had to play recorder and in that recorder class it was like honest to god I don't, i'm sure the teacher had earplugs in her head i don't know how anybody could hear that because the recorder certainly like rearranges cells in people's brains especially when children are playing them all together But anyway, we learned some music theory. We learned how to read a little bit. And then after that, we had to take an aptitude test. And I remember doing really well on that aptitude test. And I was told I was allowed to take an instrument and I could pick anyone I wanted. And I remember having the conversation with my mother. I wanted to play the cello. She says, it's too big. And so I chose the violin because my friend Sue Lazovic chose the violin. That's the reason I did. And we were going to practice together and et cetera, et cetera. And I took violin lessons for years and boy did I hate it. I had that really high sound really close to my ears because I had to hold that thing up under my chin and it, it just wasn't for me. So I started to play violin between my knees like a cello because it was more comfortable. And that wonderful, well, he was kind of a tyrant, but he at least let me play the violin in the orchestra in sixth grade with the thing between my knees. I played that whole year. And then that summer, he let me switch to the cello. So this is between sixth and seventh grade. Okay, I had one teacher for that for like a year. And after that, someone suggested, you should really study I don't think I'm going to say his name because he's passed away and I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I'm going to say he was a cellist in the Philadelphia Orchestra. And I couldn't believe that I was going to get to study with someone who was in the Philadelphia Orchestra. And I thought that I had arrived and I was somebody now because somebody, there was another cellist in the, in the school who already studied with him. And, and she and I, uh, with our parent, uh, obviously our parents drove us, and they used to carpool. And I would wait for her lessons; she would wait for mine. And I just thought that I was going through what I was supposed to go through. I cried a lot in those lessons, and I think that he shamed me a lot. And I just thought that that's what was supposed to happen. And my mother—I'm not saying I'm blaming my mother. Well, maybe I am a little bit. But my mother just was so impressed with him, and she kept saying that he was a professional. That was her word. I could. Learned so much from you know, and I just kind of kept going and kept crying, and I wasn't getting a whole lot better, and I still would place badly in the orchestra auditions and stuff at school and whatever so I'm going to fast forward to i'm going to say it was my fifth or tenth high school reunion, and I ran into this woman who was the cellist I used to carpool with, and she we she wanted to reminisce about all of those years studying with this cellist from the philadelphia orchestra and she says remember when he used to take us to all of the orchestra rehearsals and we used to be able to listen in the in the audience at the academy music to all those open rehearsals i said no and she said remember all the recitals at at his house where we got to play our pieces i said no he actually never invited me to a recital and then i went Dear God, why would you ever do that to a student? So fast forward to my takeaway. That experience taught me that you would never, ever, ever do that to a student. I've been teaching since I was 18. So that's a lot of years of teaching now, I'm 62. If I have somebody who learns eight bars of something, or it's gonna get up on stage and just play a piece with just open strings, And with a piano accompaniment or me sitting there accompanying on the cello. And that kid gets to stand up and take a bow and be like proud that there was a small accomplishment. Uh, That's what I have done. And would I have been such a patient teacher and inclusive teacher if I had not had that experience with that teacher in high school? I don't know. But that really cemented it for me. So that is the crux of my story here. But I will tell you that I did go on to undergrad, and I had a very nurturing teacher for two years of undergrad. I mean, she is the one, this was at University of Connecticut, and I will say her name. Her name is Mary Lou Rylands. She's retired, lives in Vermont now, and still remains my friend. And I, I just could not thank her enough for being that nurturing teacher who taught me to untie my hands. That's what she said she did for me. She taught me a a balanced approach to the instrument, how to have a foundation of tension-free playing, so that you can do anything. You can you can progress forevermore on that. So you know, I still have her voice in my head when I'm teaching and when I'm practicing. And, you know, forever grateful for that. So I tell my students that music making is the bonus of learning an instrument, but the real work is your personal journey of, can you focus to long enough? I have a lot of gray hair from students that I've tried to teach this to that it's been like, huh, what are you talking about? Can you focus for how many seconds or minutes here on just those eight measures, can you focus on all the tasks that are required for you to get through those eight measures? right? To think about your bow, you have to think about balance in your left hand. Are you in tune? Are you playing the right rhythm? Are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So I feel like that is one of the most important lessons that that people can have the perseverance, the discipline, the being really easy on yourself that you did that you know and I'm going to build from that now instead of what I'm sorry to go back to something negative but the way that I was trained in junior high school and most of high school of like you did that very badly instead of showing me how to fix it how to be satisfied with the small accomplishments because the small accomplishments that build on each other and then all of a sudden you can play And it's like, oh, and then you can play with other people and there's the bonus, right? So my takeaway is one of gratitude. And it's not easy to be grateful when someone is really mean to you, but it's the only way to go so that you don't hold on to anything bad. That's kind of like my motto. I'm not always successful at it, but I I really make an effort to, uh, to hang with that. I think that's the crux of the story.
1: Well, thank you very much. I know you, Molly, as beyond a professional cellist for all these years, but also as a great teacher. And you've always been very kind to just about any everybody I've ever met in terms of people that you've, that, that you've taught or the people that play. I gonna I try to play ukulele. You're always very kind to me about it as, <laughs> an, as an example. So I do know that, and I, as a school teacher myself, I value a teacher who is nurturing rather than abusive i don't know what else to, how else to call it so in your own practice you've spent a large part of your life teaching and playing of course when you look back you think you nurtured more than you gave people the forget about it and your terrible language that you heard yourself so i think that's the impact yep for sure well thank you i'm sorry that that happened to you i'm sorry you had this terrible teacher early on who didn't nurture it's great having you. It's great seeing you. This recording will not see your uh, fabulous face, but <laughs> I do I really do appreciate you coming on the show. As I said, as a, as a young as a person who's always wanted to play music, I I always like listening to real musicians explain it to me, what their what their journey was because yeah, I just don't have that background and I don't have that perseverance and all that. And the idea that after a while you say, if I get eight bars and somebody stands up and applauds that, that's enough. I think that is the way to go, the way to keep people energized. Otherwise, if you're just waiting for perfection to happen, you, you always wind up dissatisfied with the sounds coming out of your instrument.
2: Uh, you know, another one of the things I like to say is that music making is normal. It's not just for the elite. It's not Mm -hmm. just uh, something in in an ivory tower, right? It's like, just have instruments laying around your house. Just like play Mm -hmm. all the time. (sighs) I
1: like it. I like it. So that's our show. Thank you so much, Molly Glazer, for telling us your story. I'd like to invite everybody who listens in to consider coming on to Tell Me What Happened and telling us your story, your childhood memory, your formative event. Also, just want you to know that Sidelining Publishing will be publishing these stories, some of these stories, in a book, Tell Me What Happened, in the spring of 2021. And I invite all the listeners to send us a copy of their story, if they would prefer not to speak it out loud. You can send it to sideliningpublishing at gmail.com. We're going to end the show with the full version of Susan Salador's Every Moment, Every Day, available on Spotify, BTW. Until next time, this is Jay Rehack asking you all to stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody.
0: It is possible to be thankful every moment every day. It, it takes is possible and to be thankful and takes vision, moment and every day. It takes practice and humility. It takes, and it takes vision everywhere. and civility. It takes possible beauty and the be thankful it every day it takes precedence and humility it takes vision and subtility it takes possibilities to be thankful. it takes vision every day it takes practice and humility it takes vision and subity it takes precedence and, it takes it takes practice and it takes wisdom. Everywhere. It takes beauty practice and, and the wisdom, wisdom. to see it as a It takes beauty and the wisdom to see it everywhere. It is possible to be thankful every moment, every day.